Duncan Holder is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And if you go to the Game Time app right now and you're looking for Saints 49ers tickets, they're there. If you're looking for Pelicans Thunder tickets, they're there. And of course, LSU tickets, they're all there as well. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dad, who dad stuff. Who dad, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan, you know, that's that's our our, our chant. Duncan Holder podcast back at you, Larry Holder and Jeff Duncan. No, Jeff Duncan. I'm just flying solo here on this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. Uh, as I'm recording this uh, without Jeff, he is on his way back from Atlanta. Of course, he was covering Saints-Falcons. And, of course, what a wild up-and-down game for the Saints. But, of course, they picked up the victory 26-18. to And plenty of good, plenty of bad, plenty of, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? And it's one thing after another, it seems like, for the Saints Two steps forward, a step backward, another step forward. It was quite a wild game, which I think you would probably tend to expect on a Thursday game, short week. We've seen this happen before where Thursday games get a little sloppy. But uh, we've seen the Saints play sloppy many, many times uh, this season. And some of these things are maybe one-time deals. Some of these things are trends. And yet... Of course, the Saints did plenty enough good to win the game. So, of course, we're going to touch on all of that here on the Duncan Holder Podcast. Catherine Terrell, Jeff Duncan, they covered the game last night. So if you want to go check out all their coverage, uh, you can go to theathletic.com slash New Orleans. And, of course, feel free to jump on and listen to all of our podcasts, uh, theathletic.com slash Dunk and Holder. And so we're going to sift through all of this, and I'm sure – You were feeling good as a Saints fan watching early and then wondering what on planet Earth, how can they not field an onside kick? How can they let Atlanta back into this game? Uh, Certainly all kinds of issues for the Saints. And when you watch this game and you think back on it, you're wondering, all right, the Saints have done plenty of good as far as figuring out ways to win games. And yet there are so many things that make you wonder, okay, say when they play the 49ers next weekend, you do a lot of these things and you're going to get beat. Or you get into the playoffs and you do a lot of these things, you're going to get beat. And you're two, three quarters of the way through the season now. And a lot of these things shouldn't be happening. So I pondered what to go over first, whether it be depression or the exaltation of what the Saints actually pulled off against the Falcons. But first, I'm going to go with Falcons depression. And this came up on Twitter this morning. And I simply put on Twitter that 
This is sad. This is the state of the Falcons. So at least Saints fans, you're not in this state. The Falcons social media folks thought this would be a fun, witty tweet. I don't know, but here's what it is. Final score in 2019 versus New Orleans. Us, as in the Falcons, 44. Them, 35. With a shruggy guy emoji looking thing. I mean, that's the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. When you are that deep into being a bad team in the NFL and you're resorting to that, come on. And of course, it just makes Atlanta just look like Atlanta. And of course, the Saints have certainly had Atlanta's number many, 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 many times. So that might be the saddest thing of them all. And of course, that means you're wondering why on earth would they put 44 to 35? Of course, the Falcons beat up on the Saints a couple of weeks ago. And the Saints only won by eight. So they're adding up the scores, and they think it's funny, and it's really sad. I mean, good luck to you, Atlanta, when you're sitting at home in the postseason and watching the Saints as they are the NFC South champs for the third year in a row. And that is a feat. Might as well start there. That is a feat that you cannot just discard. And I know they have bigger things, and they have their T-shirts that were made and get handed out in the locker room. Of course, it's only step one for them. And yet... You cannot discount the feat of winning the NFC South for the third year in a row. Just remember for how many years within this division where you did not have a repeat champ. And it just goes to show you how far the Saints have come dating back to 2017 where this team was really starting to get reconstructed and brought back into the swing of things. So you cannot discount that. You can look at all the errors, and we're going to go through all of those errors throughout this podcast, but you cannot discount the fact that the Saints earned one of the most successful runs in the history of the franchise. They didn't even win three division titles in a row when it was Super Bowl time. Of course, they won a division in 2009, wild card team in 2010, won the division in 2011. So this stretch is even more prolific. And so you've got to give the Saints, Sean Payton, uh, of course, Gail Benson, the owner, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, the coaching staff, uh, of course, all the players. We all know that. But you've got to give this franchise a heck of a lot of credit for being able to be this successful in this era of the NFL where parity is king. And the fact that the Saints were able to do that, beating Atlanta, overcoming uh, a bad game a couple of weeks ago against them, able to get it done on the road uh, against a fierce rival, certainly something you can't take away from them. And just the adversity of this season, you can't take any of this away from them. So kudos to the Saints for getting their third straight NFC South title. And so when you look at this game, though, the trends of sluggish play remain. You look at, is it a one-time blip or is it, a problem that is continuous. And I think there are some blips and some continuous problems. Might as well just start with some of the blips. And I think you look at time of possession, that stat was absolutely crazy. We don't ever see the Saints get so dominated in time of possession. Uh, Atlanta held the ball for 35-37. The Saints only 24-23. That is wild. 
Total plays offensively for the Falcons, 85. For the Saints, only 49. The Saints were 2 of 10 on third down. I know that's something that they've struggled with a little bit throughout the season, and yet I do think that is a little bit of a blip. And so do you worry? Do you wonder if it was just Thursday night? I mean, some of these things come into play, and you're assuming that the Saints can clean some of these things up. But I'm sure many of you are looking at the penalty number and wondering, when is this going to stop? It almost seems like this is the most undisciplined, good Saints team we've ever seen. Saints almost hit double-digit penalties again. They get nine penalties, 121 yards. Of course, three of those were pass interferences by Eli Apple. We saw Marshawn Lattimore almost basically do the same thing that Cam Jordan did, uh, trying to punch the ball out. At least he didn't punch the player, but he did it after the whistle. Drew a 15-yard penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct, or unnecessary roughness, whatever it was. And yet, you keep seeing these things again and again and again. And I'm sure Sean Payton is probably ready to pull his hair out uh, when you see all of these penalties. And a lot of these penalties, I mean, you could argue officiating this, that, and the other. But most of these penalties, I would say... uh, I'm not going to put a percentage on it. I would say the vast majority of these penalties are warranted. And you can have your conspiracy theory, this, that, and the other. I don't listen to any of this conspiracy theory nonsense. Uh, I just think officiating at times can be rough in the NFL. But a lot of these penalties that we saw, especially last night, were warranted. They were legitimate penalties. I mean, you can't shove a guy out of bounds and not expect to be called. You can't punch or punch forward or be past the whistle and expect them not to call the flag. It's It really is something that when you're playing teams and you're going through the meat of the schedule and you get to the playoffs, and we're all been pointing to the 49ers game that's going to be coming up next weekend, you keep committing these penalties and you are absolutely going to get beat. There is no question about it. And so... These things you've got to clean up. And yet we've been saying this again and again and again and again. And they're not really cleaning these things up at all. And when is it going to stop? I don't know. And that that is certainly a trend that the Saints need to figure out. I know they came out last night. They were feisty. And I, I think that is certainly a good characteristic to have because they came out super flat in that game against the Falcons a couple of weeks ago. But the fact that they came out a little too feisty and a little too aggressive, and look, that you can't have that. you got to have kind of a healthy medium there, and, and you're wondering uh, just when is that going to occur. And so the penalties are wild. And, again, I don't know when they're going to be able to quell this problem because uh, we, Jeff and I went over this in our last podcast, like they have had double-digit penalties in like six games this year. I mean, that is over the top for a team that is supposed to be one of the best in the NFL. And then when you look at some of the uh, blips on the radar, you're wondering when are these drop passes going to stop? Say from someone like Jared Cook, he dropped a couple of passes. One of them, he looked like he had alligator arms on a deep ball. And you're wondering why. It's not like anyone was coming to lay a big hit on him and yet alligator arms there. And so... Uh, Mike Thomas had dropped pass. Alvin Kamara dropped pass. And if you look at Drew Brees' numbers, uh, it was certainly one of those nights where you're thinking, man, 
Uh, if Drew Brees doesn't have some of these drop passes, you get a Jared Cook touchdown, you get a deep ball, uh, and his numbers look a lot better. But his numbers were not super fantastic in this game. Look, he had a quarterback rating of under 90, and a lot of that what didn't have to, anything to do with Drew Brees' thumb or anything like that. I just think he didn't get a lot of help. And even you saw on Twitter, Michael Thomas uh reference to one of his drop passes and he's just saying back to the basics and so uh he's gonna work and obviously that is a rarity and so I think some of these drop passes say with a Mike Thomas or an Alvin Kamara are a bit of a rarity and yet you can't have them in big games and so look the Saints uh, were fortunate enough where they played a Falcons team that was basically on their way out of the season and a lot of the positives that we'll talk about Later on in this podcast, where the offensive line for the Falcons was no match, obviously, for Cam Jordan and the Saints. And then the really, really, really troubling thing is that an onside kick is supposed to be a formality. They kick it, you recover it, game's over. And yet we've seen onside kicks happen where the Bears recover them and you're wondering what is going on. Did they work on this? And then when you see not one but two occur against the Falcons, keeps them in the game. This score uh, of this game made much closer because of these onside kicks. And uh, I put on Twitter last night, jokingly, even though, who knows, game day Sean might fire Darren Rizzi on the sideline, but that cannot happen. That's unbelievable. That, that is absurd in the NFL that that can happen. That is absurd in college football in any level of football where onside kicks can't be recovered. And it's almost like uh, you see like Alvin Kamara not want to even get put his head in there and get into the mix and uh, almost just allowing the Falcons to dive in and recover the onside kick. It's You know that's going to be harped on again and again and again. And you never know. Teams might end up just throwing these in on the Saints throughout the season just because they know they can't handle them. And uh, the the percentages have dropped so much because of the rule changes and special teams on the onside kick that it's virtually impossible for these things to work, and yet the Saints allow them to work and allow teams to stay in games when they should not be in games. So certainly troubling, I would say. And so you're wondering if all of these things I just talked about, one of only you look at it and – one of those factors can bite you and have you get beaten a game. The fact that you have all of these issues and you still win a game, and it was it should have been far more comfortable than what the score indicated. Uh, look, it just shows you that the Saints are a super talented team, but someone maybe might come by them at some point. So it'll be curious to see how the Saints will react and move on. They still have a lot of rest. I know they got some banged up bodies. Uh, Kiko Alonso ended up getting hurt in that game, and so he had to come out. I know Marshawn Lattimore left, but he came back. Traquan Smith got hurt. He came back. So those are good things, and yet uh, you got to monitor a lot of these injuries as you're going up to one of the premier matchups in the NFL next week against the 49ers. And so uh, in the second half of this podcast, we will jump into some of the positives because there are certainly plenty enough positives. I mean, you're not winning a game like this. Uh, if you don't have plenty enough positives. But before we do that, uh, look, we've, we've 
promoted Roman on this podcast before. And look, talking about erectile dysfunction, it's not easy. Usually, you could just brush it off or blame yourself or say things like, I lost my mojo or just avoid it all together and say I had a long day of work and just really kind of take it back and keep it inside. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and the privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. So just go to GetRoman.com slash DH to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash DH for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash DH. So now for the Saints, certainly enough positive talk. Look, I know I was Debbie down in the first half of this podcast, and yet obviously we saw plenty of positives. And I put on Twitter and within uh, the chat I held on uh, The Athletic uh, last night, I think Taysom Hill loves playing in Atlanta. And he was a monster last night. And uh, almost sort of joking with my colleague Jeff Duncan these last couple of weeks where when Taysom Hill would come into a game, it's almost like the drive would stall, whether he might take a sack or just wacky things happen where the the it could be second down or first down and you get nowhere and you get yourself in long distance uh situations and that was not the case last night for Taysom Hill uh of course he deflected the punt not necessarily quote-unquote block the punt and that was a momentum shift immediately for the Saints of course scores the touchdown and uh 30 yarder and it it reminded me of when last year if you remember when the Saints kind of needed an adrenaline boost in Atlanta it was week three and Taysom Hill broke off this 30 yard run and really kind of gave a shot in the arm to the Saints and they were of course able to win that game and go on and win another eight in a row but it's almost like Taysom Hill when you really need that adrenaline boost in a situation that could get hairy, he's been able to deliver. And, of course, he runs for the touchdown. He catches the touchdown. Uh, I think it was much needed. And for the Saints to go forward and be the type of team they want to be, I think Taysom Hill's got to be a factor. And a lot of people wondering, when is he going to get more playing time? Because his playing time offensively has, even with – Drew Brees back it hasn't been as prolific and as effective as maybe what we've seen in the last I don't know year year and a half or so but comes up big no question about it and I think the Saints have to play a delicate game of playing Taysom too much and playing Taysom not enough and uh, that is a tricky thing to navigate just because uh, it can become predictable when he's in there. And I think you saw uh, some good usage of Taysom, whether it's not necessarily under center, the fact that he's as a wide receiver or he's coming across the formation and doing different things. I think that is maybe a little bit more of the effectiveness uh, that we haven't seen from Taysom in the last few weeks. And so certainly a big boost. 
And I'll also go back to not just Atlanta, but remember last year at Tampa when the Saints needed a boost. He blocks the punt. Uh, and instead of the Saints having really a struggle in Tampa, they go on and win by two touchdowns. And Taysom Hill was one of the reasons there that they were able to do that. So, uh, And also I found interesting, if you had the sound on in the broadcast, and I've been thinking this in the back of my head. I didn't necessarily want to write it right away just because people think maybe you're nuts. But I've been wondering when someone might say, oh, look at the way Lamar Jackson is used in Baltimore. Might someone use Taysom Hill that way in their offense because I think they can do similar things. And you're saying, well, what are you talking about? Lamar Jackson's doing all these great things, and I get it. I'm just saying style of play. If there's another quarterback in the NFL that maybe can mimic Lamar Jackson, it's probably Taysom Hill. So it's something... Uh, that Tony Dungy mentioned in the broadcast. And it's one thing if I mention it, you can call me a hack, but I'm pretty sure Tony Dungy knows what he's talking about. So maybe someone gets really intrigued this off season. He's a restricted free agent. Maybe something like that happens. I don't know. We're way, way out in front of that right now. But obviously, Taysom Hill, huge, huge, benefit for the Saints against the Falcons and let's just look and stick offensively before we get to the defense because the defense my goodness uh we may never see a performance like that <laughs> as far as rushing the passer again from the Saints because it was so unbelievably crazy how effective they were against Matt Ryan but let's just think back a couple of weeks ago Saints offensive line gave up six sacks for Drew Brees they couldn't get anything done of course, Andres Pete left that game. Will Clapp jumped in. Teron Armstead was healthy, and they gave up six sacks that game. On Thursday night, you have Patrick Omame, Omame, whatever, left tackle, did a fine job. Nick Easton, I know he gave up one rush where Drew Brees was in the end zone, but still, Drew Brees got the ball out, moved the ball down the field, completion, no harm, no foul. Saints gave up no sacks last night against the Falcons, a stark contrast to what they did a couple of weeks ago. And you got to give that unit a ton of credit. 40% of the offensive line is reserves. Uh, you still got Eric McCoy as a rookie. Uh, Grady Jarrett is certainly someone that uh, can be troubling to defend. And so uh, kudos to the offensive line for getting it done. And people were asking me through the chat and on Twitter, why aren't the Saints running the footballs effectively? And uh, they didn't run it as much. People were wondering, where's Latavius Murray? And look, the numbers, when you look at the average, and you got to remember the plays. The Saints did not possess the ball that much at all. And you look at the numbers, though, 18 carries overall. Of course, you want that number to be higher, but of course, you also want the number of plays to be higher. 95 yards, 5.3 yards a carry. And you look at Alvin Kamara, had 11 carries, 61 yards, 5.5 yards uh, of course, he had a big 24-yard run. And Taysom Hill's usage was certainly part of that. Latavius Murray had four carries for two yards. And so I think the Saints, whenever they were running the football, wanted to use the hot hand, and that was Kamara. And uh, also, you look at Kamara's usage in the passing game, wasn't as prolific. Eight targets, four receptions, 23 yards. You want more from that. But still, uh, look, 
they were able to get it done when they needed to get it done when they were running the football. And so offensively, it wasn't pretty, uh, but you had some big plays. Uh, of course, Taysom Hill, when Jared Cook was catching the ball, three catches, 85 yards, that 40-yarder was a big-time play as well. Uh, so you want the offense to be a little bit more crisp, obviously. So, But let's go to the defense. I mean, so much to talk about defensively. And Cam Jordan typically feasts on Matt Ryan, which is why it was so surprising the last time they played. Uh, he did not have a big-time game. Uh, but last night he came out Thursday night football, national TV, everybody's watching four sacks. He sacks Matt Ryan four times. He came into that game uh, with 14 career sacks on Matt Ryan. Add another four to it. It was a dominating, dominating performance by Cam Jordan. Might as well give him another all-pro bid because now he has 13 and a half sacks. Uh, He's going to get more in these final four games. Uh, And so when you look at it, it has just been a stellar, stellar couple of years for Cam Jordan. And they really slowed Matt Ryan down. And you can't discount all the others because they had nine sacks total. That's right, nine. Marcus Davenport looked great. Uh, came on really early. It's almost like he propelled himself from his late-game performance against Carolina uh, with the sack late in the game and then with jumping over the uh, field goal unit and affecting the field goal where Joey Slide misses. And he came out right away and played gangbusters too. Two sacks. Trey Hendrickson got a sack. Good to see him kind of get back in the swing of things. Sheldon Rankins as, as well as a sack. And Craig Robertson with a sack. He had to play because the Saints had some injuries within the linebacking core with Kiko Alonso going out and uh, A.J. Klein didn't play uh, a ton of snaps. And so that's something we're going to have to monitor. But the fact that defensively the Saints were able to get pressure on Matt Ryan, uh, fluster him big time, that was a big key for this game. And, of course, uh, when you look at the takeaways, C.J. Gardner-Johnson with the big interception, uh, that Man, he flew down the sideline. I thought he was going to get in the end zone. He was running so fast. But that was a, a certainly a big play in the game. And a play that I'm wondering why the Falcons didn't put this in their little Twitter jab of some sort with the Saints. Shy Tuttle with the interception on Matt Ryan. And it is the stiff arm heard round the world, heard round the social media sphere. And he just plants Matt Ryan to the ground. And unfortunately, I got a reverse back. Cam Jordan can't push Matt Ryan in the back. I mean, that is a block in the back. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Shy Tuttle didn't need the help when he just pushes Matt Ryan to the ground with the stiff arm, again, heard around the universe and the Twitter sphere and all that. And that is something that I'm sure Saints fans will revel in. Uh, Falcons fans will sob in, and that will be one within this rivalry that you cannot forget and will be played over and over. And I'm I'm betting next year in the Superdome when they do the us versus them uh, spoof that they do on the Jumbotron, I'm pretty sure that that will be played. Uh, And if not, and if someone from the Saints is listening, it probably should be played. Certainly something that you need to highlight. But... Uh, like we're looking for big things from this defense, and it's kind of wild to say it that 
outside of maybe a game or two, this defense has been more consistent and effective throughout the season than the offense. And, of course, you lose Drew Brees, I get it. Uh, but still, defensively as a whole, uh, they've been more consistent uh, than the offense. I mean, I, I think that's just the way it's been, and this defense is going to have to continue playing that way, getting pressure on the quarterback. And uh, I was saying even before the game in uh, the chat on The Athletic where the Saints have gotten pressure on quarterbacks but not necessarily sack them. Like They're almost there, and yet sometimes they'll make a play or uh, get it thrown away. But the fact that they were able to sack Matt Ryan nine times, uh, you're not going to have that every week. Uh, but the fact that it happened, I think, just goes to show you that the Saints can be effective within the pass rush. And they're starting to take the football away more. That's something we haven't seen a lot throughout the season. But recently, of course, you think back to the Tampa game, four picks against uh, Jameis Winston, and you're creating takeaways now, and you're going to need them uh, going forward and once you get into the playoffs. And I know, I'm know i sure we're going to talk about this um, in our other podcast here on Duncan Holder. But what's the approach with certain players? Do you try to scale back and not shove some of these injured guys back in early because you've clinched the division? And I know they want to get home field advantage. And if they win every game going forward, they clinch the number one seed. But I think, and I'm curious to see how the Saints handle some of these things because uh, you want to have these guys ready for the playoffs. And I'm curious to see how they move forward with that. But Marshawn Lattimore, again, like like I mentioned, he... Got hurt, went to the locker room, came back and played. So that was a good thing. Uh, and so, look, defensively, you can point at some of the penalties and, and this, that, and the other. But if you're going to point to anything as a shining light in this game, it's certainly been the way that this team responded defensively. So kudos to the Saints. And now they get a long break, get to rest up a little bit. And I'm sure they'll be watching the Niners take on the Ravens and getting an eye on what to expect from the Niners when they come to the Dome here next Sunday. And that one should be a good one. And remember, that one is not flexed. That will be a noon kickoff. And the SEC Championship game is going to be the day before that. I'll be covering that and then coming back and covering Saints-Niners too. So hopefully I'm not a zombie. But uh, hey, you know, the uh, the wonders of the, the media business. Uh, look, there are worse jobs in the world, so who am I to complain? But uh, anyway, uh, look, plenty to take away from this Saints game, plenty to stew on, and at least the Saints won through some of the issues that they had, and they've got to clean up these things, but you're also seeing some improvement with the Taysom Hill and, of course, the defense and uh, it's you're, I, I think you're seeing a healthier Alvin Kamara, too. I think that's something that we need to keep an eye on. And uh, the fact he didn't have to get used a ton last night probably is not a bad thing either. So uh, they'll have a, an extended break here and get back to work next week. So that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. Uh, of course, uh, I want to thank our producer, Danielle, who uh, always does a fantastic job. And, of course, Jeff Duncan will be back on the pod next week and going forward because talking by myself can kind of be cumbersome sometimes so uh yeah we have someone to bounce off and uh talk with jeff so we'll do that again next week so uh once again appreciate it jump on theathletic.com slash new orleans check out all of our coverage vaulting saints lsu pelicans 
Uh, Tulane, anything important to the area, check it out, theathletic.com slash New Orleans. Follow us on Twitter, at The Athletic NOLA, and, of course, myself on Twitter, at Larry Holder. So appreciate everyone giving us a listen, and we will be back with another edition of the podcast next week. So for the absent Jeff, who is traveling home, and for our producer, Danielle, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here on the Duncan Holder Podcast.